Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. And we're back with some hot summer. Oh, hot. so hot. Yes. yes. Hot action coming at you. I hope everybody is enjoying their August. Now, August is traditionally like the slow time of the year. Like there's never any much news and people seem to go on vacations and things like that. So August yeah. seems to be the slow time unless you're in a band and then it's all <laughs> action all the time. Because the thing is, people go on vacations. They need some music to listen to. They need entertainment. Yes, they do. And so we had a chance to provide some entertainment for people uh, this particular weekend. We were at the Wisconsin State Fair. The greatest state fair in our state, as the song says. Is that from us? What's that from? It used to be the little commercials Oh yeah. For the state fair. It'd be like, our state fair is a great state fair. Don't miss it. Don't even be late. From dollars to donuts at the great state fair. It's the greatest state fair in our state. Nice. You never heard that one? No, I did not hear that oh. one. I don't know if it's specific to Wisconsin, but they used to play it on the ads all the time. Okay. I think it's great you remember that. I think there's a <laughs> musical too. There's a musical too called State Fair. Oh, maybe that's what it's from. But yeah, whatever marketing genius selected that for the advertisement, it's like <laughs> decades later, it's still in my head. So nicely done. Nicely yes. Done. Well, that's funny. If that's from the musical State Fair, then I've seen that movie and I have no recollection of any song whatsoever. <laughs> I just remember, you know, it's one of those like Hollywood musicals from the 1950s or 40s oh, or yeah. something. And so I can, I can picture like how the colors looked and how the stages looked and the set and stuff like that. But I can't even remember the music a bit. <laughs> So, but I, again, I'm not a musical guy. Some people love musicals. Some people don't. I am on the, uh, well, I'm with the people that don't. (laughs) Sorry about that. Not a fan. Well, I just don't like it how, like, I'm really into a story and then somebody starts singing. It's definitely, you know, you got to go into it understanding that aspect of it. And I know that people think of musicals as a particularly American art form. You know, they think of the musical as, you know, something that we as Americans, like the the culture kind of really created and perfected. But kind of like jazz, I just don't care. So I appreciate there's talent involved and I love it. And I've seen it. the, The musical I've seen are like rock musicals. Like Tommy, which is not a real musical because it's taken from an album. So, <laughs> well, to each his own. Yes, plenty of us love musicals. Yeah, and, and I think so, yeah, I yeah, think that's something great. something for everybody. I think that is great. I, I love the theater. I just don't start singing in the middle of it. <laughs> okay. Unless it's you know anyway. Enough of that. We're just talking about state fair today. We're talking about weird state fairs, and we thought that this would be perfect because. Uh, we are also playing at the State Fair this Saturday in Wisconsin. So it's going to be a, a, again. a very State Fair-centric week for Wendy and I, everybody. And we've been playing at the Wisconsin State. This is our eighth year playing at the Wisconsin State Fair. Yeah, that's hard to believe. And what I'm interested in is like now when people talk about the fair, they don't really talk about the animals that much anymore. They don't talk about like the records. They really talk about the weird foods. It has become quite the trend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the you know that's the first thing, and there are some definite paranormal. We're going to talk about some paranormal state fairs in a second. We're talking about the history in a second as well. It's a couple of things that I found out this week while researching. But first, I thought we should just the elephant in the room is the foods. Have it out, okay? And so, like yeah. the weirdest things that you can eat at the Wisconsin. This is just the Wisconsin State Fair, starting out. 
We'll get to the rest of the country in a second. But just at the Wisconsin State Fair, number one, you can eat ants on a stick. Ew, really? Yeah. Not like ants on a log, you know, celery with peanut butter and raisins. No, straight up just says ants. Like actual ants. Yeah. Bugs. Have you had a cricket yet, Wendy? No, I have not. Okay. Now, I'm a vegetarian, and I've, I've even or I've ordered the cricket bar, so I guess I'm oh, not... Oh, the a, protein. I, yeah. Yeah, but that's different than... I mean, it's it's all ground up, and you can't tell you're crunching into a... Yeah, but what do you think the ants... I don't think the ants are just going to be like, you just pick them up off the ground and stick them on a... Or you take the stick yourself. I don't and, know. And spear them. <laughs> Maybe it's a honey-covered stick. Oh. And the ants are all stuck to it. That's I don't foul. know. It's gross. Yuck. That's foul. It's very, very foul. But um, I don't think I could ever... I don't think... Because I don't think I could be a vegan... And eat crickets or ants or anything like that. Or scorpions. As I've, I've eaten a scorpion oh. too. Several scorpions. Anyway. So There's a lot better things at the state fair. Let's, than let's, ants on a stick. Yeah. Let's try yeah. to focus on the other stuff. So the weird stuff. Like sometimes I think now they're going with it. And they're giving it weird names. Yeah. Like the deconstructed Cinco <laughs> de Augusto grilled cheese. <laughs> oh, please tell me what that is. Well, that I mean, really, that's just like a grilled cheese with some more Mexican cheeses. Yum. Cinco de Augusto is just August 5th instead of Cinco de Mayo uh-huh. because yes. the state fair happens in August. Okay. And deconstructed means that they cut up the bread, they cut up the cheese, and they cut up, you know, like a jalapeno and stuff like that and put it on there on a stick. Oh, okay. So it's, I mean, it's just basically a grilled cheese shish kebab. So it sounds like, well, how would you have a grilled cheese on a stick? Well, guys, it's just a shish kebab. But, you know, I think they're really going with the names here. And that's where it's, that's where they're going crazy. A deep fried Twinkie. Have you had a deep fried Twinkie, Wendy? I don't think I have, but I, I would given yeah. the opportunity. Me too. Sounds, I've had, <laughs> that sounds good. I've had many deep fried Oreos in my life. Yum. And I mean, those are tasty. And the people are like, oh, that sounds disgusting. Well, when you deep fry something, you make it more delicious automatically. Right. Exactly. And then uh, when you put... And less healthy. <laughs> right. So the thing is with a Twinkie, it's like in for the penny and you're in for the pound. Might as well go for it. Yeah. And so you deep fry the Twinkie. So that doesn't seem too weird. The raspberry white Zinfandel sangria. Oh, That's, what's... How is that weird? I'm just looking at the longest names and oh, stuff like that. Oh, is it like uh, frozen, like a popsicle or something? Correct. Ooh, yummy. And you can do that with sangria because it, sangria is basically white wine plus fruit. And fruit juice. Yeah, and so that'll freeze pretty well. We could have used some of those on stage last weekend. We could have. Yeah, we, it, was, it was over 90 degrees when we played on Saturday, guys. And it was hotter than a pistol. It was very hot. And so um, we just barely made it out alive. But we did. <laughs> we did to another day. Um, well, they get the easy things, you know, coconut shrimp. Putting that on a stick seems like that's just a classic skewer you get at any kind of thing. Deep fried bacon and cream cheese. Oh, yeah. When we were there on Saturday, I saw deep fried olives on a stick. Oh, yeah. That's in there. That sounded strange to me. Um, turducken. Wow. That's a lot of prep. You can get turducken on a stick. How do they do that in those little food carts? Well, they probably make it somewhere else. They bring it in, just cut the crap out of it and then skewer it. S'mores on a stick. Doesn't seem mm. So there, there's a variety of things on a stick at the Wisconsin State Fair. Milky Way bars. Snickers bars, things like that. Just deep fry them. Yeah, everything is deep fried, basically. Remember we had deep fried butter one year? 
Oh, how, I'm still thinking about that butter today. In fact, I'm going to put that in the show notes. There's a video of us of the first time we went to State Fair as a band. And that's the first time I was at State Fair probably since the ni- mid-1990s. So we'll put that in there. You can see uh, me, Ben, and Wendy all eating our deep-fried butter. That's for, for health purposes, of course. Yes, absolutely delicious. <laughs> no, we're supporting the dairy state. <laughs> yeah. We, right, with the deep fried butter. but So that's the, some of the stuff you can get at the Wisconsin State Fair. Um, but strange foods in other states. You can get a pork parfait in Indiana. Mmm, pork parfait. Yum. Yep. It, it, it looks like a yogurt's oat and fruit traditional parfait. Oh. But instead, this one has mashed potatoes, pulled pork, oh, and barbecue no. sauce. That's kind of creative. Yeah. I appreciate that. And they serve it in the clear cup, so it looks like that parfait or whatever you get at a restaurant. But instead of ice cream, or instead of yogurt, it's uh, oh, mashed potatoes. And instead yeah. of fruits, barbecue sauce, and, and it's pulled pork in there, too. So, See, when I first saw that picture, it made me think of those sundaes with the bacon bits and the caramel. You ever oh, seen yeah. Because mm-hmm. that, that sounds tasty to me. But well, actually, in that, in that video you see of us in the 2011 State Fair, Wendy... Uh, we eat donuts from Voodoo Donuts. Oh, yeah, the maple bacon. And your donut has bacon on it. Oh, so good. So we are eating weird food even before we get to the We're, place with the weird food. And yes, we are gluttons, apparently. As well. <laughs> Just remembering all these things from eight years ago. <laughs> yeah. The it thing is, it, it's our job to make the crowd happy. So if you think about the t- amount of times that we cheers the, cheers the crowd on stage, I think people would safe to say that. At least I know I will speak for myself here. Uh, I am a glutton uh, and a sot. Oh, you can alligator on a stick at the Illinois State Fair. Mm. I mean, that doesn't seem weird. It seems like gator really. or something they're going to be eating. Yeah. Uh, oh, the Illinois State Fair. You can also get a hot beef sundae. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And that's just a ball of mashed potatoes, like ice cream. But instead of... Uh, Hot fudge, you get gravy, and you get mm. corn and cheese sprinkles on top. <laughs> uh, they use a cherry tomato instead of a maraschino oh, cherry. Man. See, that, that would be like playing games with your mind, though. You know, if, when you're used to eating something with a spoon like that and it tasting like ice cream, putting yeah. it in and having it be hot and salty and uh, I don't know. I, but I, I appreciate what they're doing here. It's cute. Mm-hmm. Now we're looking at the North Carolina fair. They have Kool-Aid pickles. This is something I actually think sounds disgusting. <laughs> okay. So they marinate the pickles in Kool-Aid for a week. That does sound gross. Yeah, and, the, and it turns the pickles red. And they got local pickles, Mount Olive pickles in North well, Carolina. okay, but think about sweet pickles or bread and butter pickles that with the, the sweet tanginess. That's true. So it might be that kind of flavor. I guess I won't knock it till I try it. Yes, I'm just picturing the Kool-Aid man <laughs> coming Busting in the, through. Hey, Kool-Aid. Okay, Texas has deep-fried Coca-Cola. That would be weird. Yeah. Actually, deep-fried Coca-Cola is the same guy that invented deep-fried butter. So I feel like we have a kinship to him because we've had your butter. <laughs> we do. His name is Guerrero Blay. Okay. So Guerrero, we love you, man. But they deep-fry balls of frozen Coca-Cola and they top them with Coke syrup. You know, like before, like, the, like you would get for a fountain, uh, if you'd make, you know, if a Coke machine. And whipped cream, cinnamon, sugar, cherry on top. Mm. Oh, that doesn't sound gross. I mean, that sounds great. It doesn't sound gross at all. Okay, just a couple more things, just because people always talk about the, the things you can get at the State Fair. Uh, Dragon's Breath, they had at the New Jersey State Fair. And this is just this year. They used liquid nitrogen to freeze large, multicolored puffs that look like over um, oversized cereal bites, and they taste like fruity cereal. 
So frozen fruity cereal bites, big ones, uh, frozen with liquid nitrogen. And then you take a bite. And when you breathe out, billows of smoke come out of your mouth. <laughs> Right, it's like a, it's, it's what do they call it? It's dry ice. That's kind of cool. Yeah, so it's like it's like eating a little bit of dry ice and breathing it out. Yeah. These cold but steamy bites originated in Japan, and now they're making their way around here. Maybe we should somehow incorporate that into our live show. That sounds great. Let's see if we can get Dragon's <laughs> Breath. Now I don't know if it's at the Wisconsin State Fair yet, but it was at the New Jersey State Fair this year. Cool. So everybody always talks about the foods at the State Fair, and so we had to kind of bring that out first. Let us know if you've. Tried anything very unusual at your state fair? Yeah, we're interested in the most disgusting things you guys ate. <laughs> well, Wisconsin, we're known for our cream puffs, if I do say so myself. And we debuted this year at the Wisconsin State Fair, and I missed this, Wendy. Yes, what was that? The world's largest cream puff. Whoa. Was it from the Pinecone truck stop? <laughs> no, it was, uh, they, they built it at the state fair. Okay. So they set the new world record. This was in the Chicago Tribune. So obviously nothing's happening in Chicago if this is the biggest news. Aww. 38 inches wide, seven and a half inches high, and it weighed 125 pounds. So we made a 125 pound <laughs> cream puff at the Wisconsin State Fair this, this year. This is big as a human. Yeah, easily. But the thing is, that's not even the world's largest candy made this year at a state fair. Okay. Ohio State Fair they made a Buckeye. And the Buckeye is a, it's a candy with peanut butter and chocolate. Ooh. And somebody made one weighing 338 pounds. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. Marsha's Buckeyes. I uh, never be- realized that a Buckeye was a peanut butter chocolate treat. I always thought it was a nut based on the, um, the mascot for their football team. Oh, and so yeah, now sure. I'm, I, I used to think it was kind of silly and stupid, but now that I know that's a peanut butter and chocolate treat, I'm actually jealous. Yeah, I, w- I want a 338-pound Buckeye in my house. <laughs> I want it in my mouth. <laughs> yeah, but it's oh. huge. So like, our, we're like all sitting there like, our cream puff's the biggest in the world, right? We're like, let's check out our awesome cream puff at 125 pounds. And Ohio comes in and just rolls us over with their 338-pound <laughs> Buckeye. <laughs> well played, uh, Ohio. Well played. Yes, these are the first world problems. But that's okay because that's the world we live in. You know... State fairs really started out as a way to showcase agriculture. I mean, that was the biggest part. You know, we we make jokes and stuff about the uh, the cow bin or the the pig races they have in Wisconsin now. And the thing is, the pig races were just part of people showing off their fastest pig, their best pigs, and how great of the pig prize farmers winners, they were. Yeah. yeah, we got some prize winners here, <laughs> and that's just part of the fun of you know having something to do. Because also, when you think of uh, if you're a farmer in the 1850s, how much fun is life? <laughs> you know, like we're sitting there and we're talking. I'm thinking about, oh, when I'm done with this and I get to make a nice dinner and I'm going to watch some TV tonight. And, it's gonna, and a farmer's thinking about what I'm going to do is go to bed, hope in the 1850s, hope that I don't get flooded out yeah. or a fire starts or hope my children don't have diphtheria or something like that, or, you know, or whatever they got—smallpox and stuff. And um, then I'm going to work 16 hours a day every single day until I'm dead. <laughs> so that's a farmer's life in the 1850s. So you think the state fair? Let's show off some agriculture. Let's make agriculture look not so heinous. Give it a little uh, glamour. Yeah. And so the thing is, the state fairs really became huge in places like Wisconsin. And Minnesota, and Ohio, and Illinois. It's the Midwest 
where state fairs really became a gigantic thing. Wisconsin State Fair started in 1851, just a couple years after Wisconsin became a state. And, you know, there's uh, some fun history in Wisconsin. So they didn't have it during the Civil War because the Civil War is kind of a downer. But there's a long history of politicians coming to the state fair. Uh, In 1859, while Abraham Lincoln was running for president, he came to the state fair. And this was, it was in Milwaukee, where Marquette University is, is where the state fair was in 1859. It used to travel all around the state. This is in most states, too. They used to have, like, state fairs that would go around the state, and so they'd have it in a different corner. But they had it in Milwaukee in 1859. And Abraham Lincoln's walking around. And the big thing about Abraham Lincoln is he's tall, right? <laughs> That's what I hear. Right. right. Like, <laughs> his feet, like, his feet hung off the bed or whatever. Yeah. And what's funny is also the newspapers thought his speech was crap. When he came here. So Honest Abe did not get a good review of his 1859 Wisconsin State Fair speech. But he's going through the midway and he sees like the sideshow. And he sees a dwarf strongman. So he sees a dwarf that's, you know, you can imagine like him in a singlet. You know, a little little guy in this this singlet. And uh, Lincoln goes and he tries to lift the weights that the little guy had been hoisting. And he couldn't move him. And so then Abe Lincoln says to him, well, I can do something you can't. Oh. And the guy's like, what? And he goes, I can lick salt off the top of your head. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, Abe. Always there with a yeah. laugh for everybody. <laughs> like, what? That's bizarre. Um, How creepy. Yeah. Thanks, Funny, Abe. You're going to lick salt off the top of this dwarf's head. Um, anyway, so that's our future president, Abraham Lincoln, just being a total weirdo at the Wisconsin State Fair in 1859. But that's the thing about these state fairs is that they really are the place where kind of sideshows took off. And besides the circus, you know, sideshows would come to all of these fairs. We still have this today in a little way because sometimes there'll be psychics at booths, like there'll be like a psychic booth at a state fair and stuff. But when I was a kid, you still had the sideshow. Did you ever go to the sideshow at the Wisconsin State Fair, Wendy? I can't say that I did, actually. You never saw, like, the bearded lady or... No, I don't remember that even being there. Anything like that. They did have it up until the 80s. Okay. They they still had the sideshow. And the thing is, in the 50s and 60s, there were over 100 traveling freak shows, as they were called. And so the term freak show, that comes from because they would call the people at the fair, uh, the people who were performing in the sideshow, freaks of nature. Mm. So that's why I was a freak. They were freaks of nature because it was always somebody who was like somebody huge, like uh, somebody who was eight, you know, eight feet tall. Or someone who could do unusual stunts with their body, right? Correct. Because we got a little sneak mm-hmm. preview of a freak show when we were at the Museum of the Weird in Austin. And we will talk yeah, about that. Yeah, okay, cool. Bit. I won't get into it now then, but... We will discuss that. But the thing is, so when you think about in the 50s and 60s, there's over 100 of them traveling around, and they were always at the Wisconsin State Fair. And this is an article from the Minnesota State Fair. talks about, well, the kind of people that were there. And somebody born without arms or legs would be in the freak mm. show called a turtle man. A woman with a dark complexion and lots of dark hair might be called a monkey girl. Somebody with elephantitis of the feet could be the elephant girl. So obviously it's... You know, we think of it as something fairly, like, exploitative. Mm-hmm. But it's it's um, like if you saw... Did you see The Greatest Showman, Mike? No, I have not okay. seen that yet. I do love my man, Hugh Jackman. Yeah, and it's... I really liked it. But uh, in the movie, you know, they show how P.T. Barnum basically took those traits and, and like, 
made them things for the people to be proud of rather than ashamed of. So that they became the stars of the show. And, you know, it was played off as like a positive thing, not an exploitive thing. Well, but, but that's the thing, though, as well as that, you know, I was reading an article about uh, and let me see if I can find it here about this town in Florida. And I don't know if you remember uh, the X-Files had an episode called Humbug. And this is from like the third season of the X-Files. And it features Jim Rose from the Jim Rose Circus. And the Jim Rose Circus was a sideshow that um, went around in the 1990s and it was famous for traveling with Lollapalooza. Okay. Yeah, I do remember that. So Jim Rose wrote an autobiography in the late 90s called Freak Like Me. And my sister bought that for Christmas for me for one year. And I thought it was, I mean, obviously it was a great book. But um, so Jim Rose is in this episode of The X-Files where they go to a town where it's all former circus freaks. Okay. And who, you know, people all lived at, who lived in the sideshow. And it was a place called Gibsonton, Florida. And that's where everybody who used to work in the circus sideshow came. And the thing is, we think of these people like in the movie The Elephant Man. Mm-hmm. And the, the elephant man's very sad because this guy who's like taken advantage of and hates his life and all these things happen that are you know unfortunate and they're meant to elicit sympathy. But the idea was like this town, Gibsonton, Florida, uh, it's 12 miles south of Tampa and it becomes like a carny town and everybody lives there, like all the you know carnies. And so if you guys don't know what a carny is, well, just go to a county fair or a state fair near you and and see who's operating the Tilt-A-Whirl. Those are the, those are the fine gentlemen we're talking and about. And ladies. And ladies, that's true. And they also operate the games and other various you know, food stands and things like that. They travel with all of their gear to set up all the fun stuff that we enjoy. Yes. And you know, the thing is, what do you do in the wintertime? Because all of these places, uh, I mean, all the fairs and stuff like that, they're meant for summer. That's uh, the, the fairs are a summer activity, particularly in the Midwest and the East Coast. So where are you going to go when it comes to winter? Well, you're going to go down to you're going to go down to Tampa because the weather's nice, and you're going to live with your friend. You, you know, it's like, it's like the festival never ends <laughs> in Gibson, cool. Florida. And so in 1967, it's the home of thousands of carnies and up to a hundred self-defined quote, human oddities, unquote. And people just live there to, to feel safe amongst others, plus amongst other people who understand what they do for a living. I feel like I have that problem all the time when people are like, oh, what do you do for, it's like, well, I have a variety of different kind of jobs and I do all these things. I work on a website and blah, 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 blah. And they're like, I have no yeah. idea what you do to make money. <laughs> now, imagine if you're somebody like a geek. The definition of a geek is somebody who will eat anything. <laughs> eat anything? And Okay. Yeah. And so that's why we use the term geeks when we talk about science fiction and fandom and stuff, because let's say I'm a Doctor Who geek, which means I will ingest anything about Doctor Who. I love Doctor Who so much that so I'll read yeah. the books, I'll watch the shows. Consume. I'll, you know, <laughs> yeah, and I'll, I'll consume anything about it. So that's where the term geek comes from, is these sideshow geeks were people that could eat anything. Not just eat in the light bulb, but they'd eat, all, and that's... Even in the X-Files episode, Humbug, there's a geek in there. And that, I mean, that plays into the, the mystery of what happens. And I won't spoil a, a 20, oh my God, a 25-year-old episode of a TV show now. But, you know, the thing is, you have people who live in Gibsonton like 
uh, Betty Lou Williams, who had her baby sister growing out of her abdomen. <gasps> yeah, Aww. that's, I mean, shocking, but you have a little bit of a twin, whatever, undeveloped twin. Some, you know, it's kind of looks like, oh, what's that in Total oh, Recall? No. What's the little thing's name? I don't know. Oh, you guys know what I'm talking <laughs> they're about. Screaming the at it. They're screaming it. They're screaming it into their headphones right now. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're all like, oh, Mike, you, you're not a real geek. And uh, Priscilla, the monkey girl, had a double set of teeth and silky black hair covering over their body. Uh, she was engaged to the alligator boy who had a skin condition that made his skin reptile scaly. The lobster boy had only two fingers in each hand, like a claw. And the thing is, is that this is a place where people could feel like they had a family. Mm -hmm. This is a place where people could feel better about themselves. And you wouldn't have to worry that somebody was going to judge you. So I can completely see why Gibson can be a very attractive place. And that's the idea. Now, this guy named Ward Hall, he was the guy that led these sideshows. He's like in his late 80s now. Um, but he led a lot of these sideshows around. And he felt like he was a father figure for a lot of these people in this town. And he's just like, what? I, I didn't exploit anybody. Like, this is where people could feel comfortable with themselves. And this is where we'd help people make money. Yeah. He took people out of institutions, like people who would have been institutionalized because they were different and gave them something, you know, gave them something to do. And here's a, a good quote I thought. These people were not handicapped. At least in their minds, they weren't. He remembers a woman named uh, Louise Caps Hill. She was an armless girl who drove a tractor milked cows, played guitar, and she raised her children on her farm. He says, you and I will see them and say, oh my God, what handicap to have no arms at all. But there was nothing this girl couldn't do. And her performing, you're paying money to watch her perform because she do, does something that you blows your mind. You know, there's a movie called the, um, obviously Todd Browning's Freaks. And a lot of the people who lived in Gibson tended, were in that original movie, that 1930s oh, yeah. movie, Freaks. But I even think about uh, there's a movie called The Best Years of Our Lives from the 1940s. And there's an actor who, he wasn't an actor before, but he was a, an actual World War II veteran who did lose his hands mm. in the war. And he gets these hooks for hands. And you see him in the movie doing stuff, driving, like lighting a cigarette and everything. And he's doing it. And you're like, oh my God. <laughs> Impressive. Like, how does this guy do that with like two little, like not hooks for like these little things. And they even gave him a special Academy Award for it. And you know they gave him an Academy Award for it because he's somebody who was disabled, at least how we would how we would think of it. Somebody who does, who lost both of his hands and can still do all these amazing things. So if we think of honoring somebody for for a movie for acting and performing for us, I you know I don't know if the sideshow is that different uh, than that particular kind of thing. And the sideshows is where a lot of these people, you know, it's the state fairs where the sideshows came yeah. alive. <laughs> And so that's, that was my first experience. So what were stuff. the sideshows that you saw, Mike? I'm curious. Well, I just saw the one was at the Wisconsin State Fair. But what were they, though? And I remember, I'm, like, what, what kinds of things well, did you witness there? Well, there was a lot of... Uh, you remember from the, from the Museum of the Weird, there was some stuff about Bigfoot and things, and there was reproductions of, of yes. stuff. Kind of like the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum a little bit. It really was a lot like a Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum with just a couple of mm -hmm. live people. So I think I said the bearded lady. Okay. And we didn't have a lizard man, but there was a guy with a ton of tattoos. That's cool. And this, I'm, we're talking about something that happened like 32 years ago, so my memory's kind of shaky. I remember being very underwhelmed. Like, it, it felt like the, 
this was in the 1980s, so you feel like the sideshow was on its last legs. <laughs> yeah. Like, this was not the glory days right. of the circus sideshow or the state fair sideshow. And, you know, the thing is, on the outside, it looks like some kind of like, oh, my God, this is going to be some kind of awesome thing. <laughs> like, we're going to go see some incredible it's, stuff. Because they do a good job of making it seem really, you know, they have like the curtains that you go behind and everything, right? Yeah, you're like, oh, what happens? People go in there and they come out and they're like amazed. <laughs> Well, you, you do see some interesting things. Like when you go to the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum, yeah. you see some interesting things. There's a little bit of history in there. There's some, um, I don't know if the Fiji mermaid was there, but things like the Fiji mermaid, like, like little reproductions of stuff. And then you see a couple of performers. And that's usually the most interesting part. Now, I would think that in an earlier time, the sideshow would have been pretty exciting because it had more performers. Mm. But uh, also, I think pretty much the last sideshow going around is something called the World of Wonders. And so the, the World of Wonders kind of moves from uh, freaks to people that can do amazing things. So it's kind of like, I mean, think of Cirque du Soleil. Cirque du Soleil, like people who have a, like incredible power over their bodies, incredible flexibility. You know, somebody that can wrap themselves into like a, <laughs> like a, like a little Pretzel. box or something. Like they could, be, they could be wrapped up and shipped away on Amazon Prime. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff that ha- people say today. And, it, and he, I mean, the Ward Hall, the guy who did an interview and kind of the unofficial mayor of Gibsonton or whatever, or this town in Florida, I mean, even he was saying, he's like, well, you know, political correctness killed our freak show. And the freak show does feel fairly exploitative. You would not like to call somebody a freak no, anymore. I mean, rude. E- <laughs> even though, mis- like, Logan Marvel from Mr. Marvel's Wondertorium, he'd have no problem if you're like, oh, yeah, you were freaking the freak show. Like, yeah, he gets he embraces it. it. He's, he's like, sure. yeah, I love it. I'm a freak. But it's man. often used derogatorily. Right. Like, I think a lot of people feel uncomfortable yeah. with the whole idea. So that kind of that kind of kills the thing. But when freak shows uh, were really popular, like we're saying there's hundreds of them in the 50s and 60s. Well, particularly in the Midwest, that's where you had things like the Minnesota mm. Iceman. So the thing is, is that the original story about the Minnesota Iceman. Which we saw. We did see the Minnesota Iceman. <laughs> Not in Minnesota. Museum of the Weird in Austin, <laughs> Texas. Yeah. And the, the interesting thing about the Iceman is that he disappeared for a long time. Like he's around in the 50s and 60s. And so they promoted the Minnesota Iceman as the missing link between man and Neanderthals. Right? Male, human-like Six foot tall, hairy, large hands and feet, very dark brown hair, long, flattened nose, so it's kind of got that ape look. One of its eyes is like knocked out of the socket. One of the arms looks broken. Now, they think that a bullet entered the creature's head from behind, and that's one of the original stories, is that uh, a hunter killed the Minnesota Iceman in Siberia. And then eventually he was brought to the United States and was around for a, like frozen in Minnesota for a long time in Altura, Minnesota. So it's like in rural Minnesota. And where it really takes off is this guy named Frank Hansen. He starts exhibiting it at state fairs and carnivals and stuff all around the country. He's got the story uh, that he was detained by Canadian customs officials who were concerned because he was transporting a dead body. Okay. So he's got this story that, oh, yeah, he's transporting a real corpse. Like, maybe it's not the Iceman, but he might be transporting the corpse of somebody that was murdered or whatever. And, you know, he's got that story that it was killed uh, in Siberia and that kind of thing. And he's promoting it as a missing link. But kids are seeing it 
and we saw the Minnesota Iceman, and we can say, like, okay, it looks like a man in ice. <laughs> Absolutely does. There's a, it's, a man, it's a hairy man in ice. So we can say that. But you get two Bigfoot researchers in the late 1960s, Ivan Sanderson and Bernard Heuvelman, and they go to investigate up close. They go to Frank Hansen, the, the guy who was taking him around. They go to his house trailer <laughs> to see the Iceman. And they think it's real. They said they found putrefaction Ooh. where some of the flesh had been exposed to the melted ice. So they think it's real, not rubber or whatever, because the body is decomposing in places where it wasn't frozen. But not Heuvelmans. In 1969, he writes in a Belgian scientific journal about the Iceman and says that it's a new species, Homo pongoides. And he said that he thinks it was killed in Vietnam during the Vietnam War, because a lot of the different species, like the some of the newer species of related homo animals people were finding, were all in Southeast Asia. Uh-huh. And so he's like, okay, so I think what happened was during the Vietnam War, people killed it. So that, this is his theory. Okay. And he puts it out there, and he writes it in a scientific magazine. And Bernard Heuvelmans is a Bigfoot researcher. It's like... It's like Lauren Coleman saying the Minnesota Iceman's real. You know, it's like him saying, like, I looked at the Iceman and he's totally real. And what happened was, is that he was wandering around the jungles of Vietnam. Somebody popped him or Agent Orange knocked him out or whatever happened. And <laughs> now we grabbed him and we're, we're putting him in a state fair sideshow. And the other researcher, Ivan Sanderson, he authors an article in April 1969. The headline is, is this the missing link between man and the apes? They're going on TV. Um, they even contact a primatologist and ask him to investigate it for the Smithsonian. So these guys are so convinced. They're not pretending like that it's, that's some kind of fake thing. They're like, let's bring the Smithsonian in on it. Hmm. And what happens is Frank Hansen is all of a sudden getting a lot more attention for the Minnesota Iceman than previously uh. he thought he was going to get. So Frank Hansen takes the Iceman out of the sideshow and then... He puts what people say is a different Iceman on exhibit. And people now say that the new Iceman is clearly fake while the original was real. So now there's the idea that there's a fake Iceman around. And Bernard Heuvelmans and Ivan Sanderson saw the original Minnesota Iceman. And everybody else who now comes to the sideshow is seeing the fake one. In fact, the guy that starts investigating with the Smithsonian... Um, he finds out that Hansen, Frank Hansen, had commissioned the creation of a like Bigfoot kind of thing from a West Coast company in 1967. And so he says the whole thing was a fake the whole time and that uh, he moved it around between appearances inside the ice, like repositioned it and then froze it again. And he said that the Smithsonian was satisfied that the creature was simply a carnival exhibit made of latex, rubber, and hair. <sighs> There's no substitute model. The original and the present substitute are one and the same. So the Smithsonian is the total buzzkill on the whole Minnesota ice map. <laughs> I'll say. And says it. And so, and so that kind of, you know, but the thing is, first of all, how stupid you got to feel if you're like Ivan Sanderson and Bernard Heuvelmans, because these guys are writing about cryptozoology. These guys are trying to prove the real stuff. And that's part of their, based on a true story or whatever, that's yeah. part of how they sell tickets and so they sell books. And then the Smithsonian's like, you guys are idiots. <laughs> and so that's what happened. Now, we can talk about our own experience with the Iceman. So it disappears for a while. 2013, the Minnesota Iceman shows up on eBay. 
That's great. Well, and the thing is, I mean, people were, I mean, part of the way that the story goes on is that they're saying like, well, it has to be investigated. The FBI might have to look into it because it might be a murder victim kind of thing. Like, what if it's just a hairy guy? Like, I don't know. Some of my friends are really hairy dudes. Really tall, too. Right. A tall, hairy dude could be the Minnesota Iceman and could have been murdered. And they cover up the murder by turning it into a sideshow. I mean, that would be a great... <sighs> would, would I think that wow. would be... Wow. Yeah. That yeah. would be a well, great scheme. And what we saw, Mike... So let's fast forward to 2013. <laughs> it gets, and we talked about this on several episodes yeah. already. Number one, Lauren Coleman talked about it. Number two, Lyle Blackburn talked about it. And then Wendy and I finally went down to Texas to see the Minnesota Iceman for ourselves this year. And so it gets purchased by a guy named Steve Busti, um, who purchased it for his Museum of the Weird. And the, the listing reads... This is the actual sideshow gaff billed as the Minnesota Iceman by Frank Hansen in the 1960s. This is a one-of-a-kind hoax that was fabricated by a mid-20th century showman. That's what the eBay listing reads. Okay? And, I mean, it's already famous because of this, number one, the sideshow was Wisconsin, Minnesota, Ohio, Illinois, you know, those places. And then uh, it's on Unsolved Mysteries in the seventh season, you know, that they have a little thing on the Minnesota Iceman. It's on Mysteries at the Museum on the Travel Channel. And then it's featured in Shipping Wars on A&E. Because in Shipping Wars, uh, they have to find, figure out a way to get the Iceman from Minnesota to Texas. And you know how hot <laughs> it gets in Texas. Yeah, you got to really have a refrigerated vehicle for that one. Yeah. And so it's just an interesting thing that the Minnesota Iceman really became famous because of the sideshows at state fairs. And that carnival atmosphere contributed to it. And so they kind of keep that carnival atmosphere alive when you finally get to the Museum of the Weird. And there's a pretty big buildup for the Iceman in there. Oh, man. Huge buildup. That is, it's the, it's the finale of the entire museum tour and everything. And the thing is, the museum's got a lot of great stuff in it. And, <laughs> it is awesome. I loved it. And if you like history, you'll enjoy that too. Because I think there's a ton of really interesting history that you're going to get when you go visit the Museum of the Weird. And really, if you're not as familiar with this kind of stuff as, as like Wendy and I are, you're going to have a great time because you're yeah. going to learn a ton of stuff. So it's, I mean, it's worth it just for... Uh, I think getting some of the, the paranormal and cryptozoological history out of it. But an interesting thing about the Shipping Wars episode, while they were, they were transferring the Iceman from Cottage Grove, Minnesota to Austin, Texas, still in Hansen's original glass-topped freezer, no effort was made to keep the Iceman frozen for the trip. And nobody acts like it's a big deal. So nobody even acts like there's any meat thawing out. <laughs> in the whole thing, they're not worried. Like... I worry about bringing frozen fake meat, you know, things that can't get salmonella. Right, right but nobody I was, was going to be eating the, the Iceman. Still. But it's, an, it's a big investment, I'm sure. Whatever they spent to purchase this thing. Right. They probably want it intact, not rotten. And Bernard Heuvelmans <laughs> said that he saw putrefaction on it. Ew. Yeah. It's a funny thing. Because, you know, once you get there, they go through the whole Iceman story. They show the Unsolved Mysteries episode. Yeah. Like Robert Stack is still alive in our hearts. Uh, um, and uh, actually, Lyle Blackburn is on that episode yeah. as well. 
and uh, he wrote it up for Cryptomundo. He talks about it. Now, he refers to the Iceman as a fake himself. So it really does seem like the Minnesota Iceman, you know, everybody thinks of it as a rubber dummy. Yeah, and I mean, I got to say from my personal experience... It looks like a rubber duck. Well, so much of it is covered up in ice. It's just, so it's yeah. like you look into this, well, I don't want to spoil it, but it could be real, but it's just impossible to tell because there's so much ice around it. And anyway, still worth seeing, but maybe someone more educated in the frozen dead body <laughs> category would have a better idea than I did. Well, the thing is, Hansen himself said he switched it for a replica. When Ivan Sanderson was right about it, he alerts the Bureau of Customs, Department of Agriculture, Department of the Interior, Department of Health, Education, and Welfare. Uh, he's the guy that, that went to the Smithsonian to see if they could talk about it. He reports it to the FBI. He wrote to J. Edgar Hoover personally that Hansen was transporting a corpse across state lines. He thinks that it's a human who had been shot. So Ivan Sanderson... You know, he might think that it's some relative Gigantopithecus, but he thinks that it's an actual sentient creature okay. or whatever yeah. that was murdered, huh. and they are displaying it. And that freaks out Frank Hansen, so that's when he <laughs> says he made the rubber model. Okay. So the thing is, even though everybody now is like, yeah, the Minnesota Iceman's total BS, when you go back to the 1970s, it's Frank Hansen now who's saying it's BS because he doesn't want to get in trouble with the authorities. So then now we have this entire conspiracy theory and the idea that the only reason that he said it was a fake is because he didn't want to get caught. Right, right. Because otherwise, how does he fool Bernard Hoyelmans and Ivan Sanderson? Two people who've done a lot more Bigfoot research than we have, right. Wendy, and we thought it was fun. And, I mean, they saw it up close probably before it was all completely covered yeah. up in ice. You know, they saw it, like, not totally encompassed in a, in a shell of ice. <laughs> <laughs> so they opened up, right, they opened up the thing, and they just didn't pull on it, and it felt like a... Uh, a cupid doll or whatever it, it they smelled something from it and i mean somebody could have like like maybe maybe one of the guys gassed and they want to talk about it and like was it you was it you it's the ice man oh come um, on but i know i'm just being a jerk <laughs> but the thing is give him a little credit <laughs> but hoylman's he even comes out you know after people had said that it was a replica and this is in the 1970s. Hoyleman comes out and says, I was the only one to believe that was still the actual corpse. I have many excellent photos of the original exhibit. I've been sent color slides of the new exhibit. And I think it's the same specimen. And I think it's a corpse. So the thing is, Bernard Hoyleman's stuck by the story. Yeah. He thought that the Minnesota Iceman was real. Even when Hansen's like, it's just rubber and hair. And I made it. I got it made for $3,500. <laughs> And it's just a funny thing that, uh, and, and today you can now see it at Austin's Museum of Weird. So you can see for yourself. Because the thing is, like, exactly. Bernard Heuvelmans was still convinced, and he's seen the original. He was there. He opened up the lid and smelled the putrefaction. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's the kind of thing. But that's, it was the Minnesota State Fair, the Wisconsin State Fair. That's where people saw the Iceman. Those people became obsessed with it, the stories of the Iceman uh, in the 1960s. And that's why it was featured. Uh, on all those TV shows. And that's the weirdness. We think of the State Fair as like, okay, it's going to be wholesome, you know, pigs and cows and yeah. sheeps or whatever. <laughs> it's also sideshows and freaks and dead bodies. Faction. <laughs> dead bodies transported across state lines. Uh, yes. um, 
And so we, we should finish up by talking about the Minnesota State Fair. You know, before we get to the Minnesota State Fair, I feel like I'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about the Hodag. Oh, yeah, we have to talk about that. Okay. So Rhinelander is way up north, Wisconsin, everybody. Like Rhinelander's basically you're in the Arctic Circle if you're in there in Wisconsin. But it's way up north, Wisconsin. The autumn of 1896, Gene Shepard is a, an up north Wisconsin businessman. And he says what happens is that he's with a group of lumberjacks and they surprise this creature in its den and they asphyxiate it with a heavy dose of chloroform. Ew, not nice. They chloroform this beast. And if you look at the hodag, this creature they said they found, it's like part lizard part like wolf i mean wendy how would you describe the hodag if you like i have to put it in the um i'm gonna have to put a picture of it in the show notes yeah because it does kind of look like a like a lizardy like lake animal but it's not though it's not like an underwater thing right yeah or is it well it's right it's it's it's, uh the face the head of a frog the face of an elephant short legs with huge claws the back of a dinosaur (laughs) and a long tail with spears at the end Land surveyor, timber cruiser, entrepreneur, Eugene Shepard rounds up a local group of people to capture the animal, and they said that they had to use dynamite to finally kill it. Whoa. They even send a picture of a charred hodag to the local media, and he says in the, in the press release, it was the fiercest, strangest, most frightening monster ever to set razor-sharp claws in the earth. It became extinct after its main food source all white bulldogs became scarce in the area. Wow. So the hodag only ate all white bulldogs. Alrighty so then. he sends that press release out originally in 1893, but by 1896, he says we captured another one and they're going to bring it to the Oneida County Fair. And so he sends this to the newspapers and everything. And thousands of people come to see the hodag at the fair. Obviously, this is a hoax. <sighs> so, right. A crazy lizard-like creature in northern Wisconsin that only eats all white bulldogs is not real, everybody. <laughs> but the thing is, is that they get to the fair and Shepard's got this, um, he made this creature, a little puppet or whatever, and he's got wires <laughs> connected to it and he moves it around every once in a while. Like he, they really build it up like you build up the sideshow. Yeah. You'll never believe what you're going to see. It's going to blow your mind. People come in, they go, you know, they go around the, the curtains and stuff, you know, and they see the hodag, and then he moves it with wires so they freak out. That is half the fun, though, the buildup, you know, the anticipation yeah. of, oh, my gosh, I'm going to see something really, really wild. Well, the thing is, he's got a picture of it. I mean, people come to the United County Fair. <laughs> now it's going to make rounds. It comes to the Wisconsin State Fair, and uh, it makes it, you know, the Wisconsin State Fair was in Madison that year. At all around the county fairs in Wisconsin, all around, you know, the different river valleys in the state and stuff. Well, what happens is the big city newspapers get a hold of it. They start things. The Smithsonian once again comes in and says, well, we're going to have to check it out. And when the Smithsonian says they're going to get involved, uh, that's when Shepard's got to admit that, yeah, it's a hoax. Mwah, so, mwah. Yeah. so they said they were traveling to Rhinelander. They wanted to investigate the discovery for themselves. And that's where it's like, oh, no, it's fake. But the thing is, the hodag becomes a fun thing that now it's the official symbol of Rhinelander, Wisconsin. Yeah, the mascot of Rhinelander. They've embraced it. Mm-hmm. They have an annual music festival, the Hodag Country Festival. <laughs> they have a big statue of the hodag at the Rhinelander Chamber of Commerce. 
Our friend Jerry, who was at our show on Saturday at the State Fair, had a baseball hat on with the Hodag symbol <laughs> embroidered on it. <laughs> right. So that is that is perfect. That uh, very cool. Ridiculous hoax that was created specifically to show off at fairs. Um, you know, in 2012, they actually recreated the original hoax at the Oneida County Fair near Rhinelander. So they ah. um, they went in there. And they they tried to make it so people could come in and see the same kind of thing. And that's a, that's a that's fun, fun thing. Yeah, they kind of did. So the thing is, we had to tell you guys about the Hodag because you probably haven't heard of it because you're not from Wisconsin. I can't blame you. Yeah, I wonder if any other states have unusual things like that. Yeah. You know, hoax type old timey <laughs> things right. that have have evolved into. You know, if you have any of that in your state or your area, let us know because it'd be fun to explore some of those. Maybe even uh, oh, do yeah. some little road tripping. Now, we talk about our, our sister to the west, our sister state, Minnesota. Oh, all the time. Yeah. And so, Wendy, we've been to the Minnesota State Fair. We watched our friend Mark Malman play. Yes. And it's enormous. You know, they always give you the map to show you where the main midway is and this and that. And the map was like a city, a full city. And there's streets. They have street signs and everything. But um, to get to the stage was quite a process. <laughs> yeah. And... <laughs> I was a Minnesota resident for two years, and in and, and that time, uh, I did visit the state fair and even had my car towed one time, and it gets towed to the state fairgrounds. So <laughs> oh, if your car gets towed by the, by the city funny. of St. Paul, Minnesota, it will be towed to the state fairgrounds in St. Paul. And it is the largest fair in the United States, so the Minnesota State Fair is the largest one. That's where uh, Theodore Roosevelt said, speak softly and carry a big stick. Really? Yep. That was right before... Um, McKinley was killed and then he, be, he mm. became the president of the United States. I think that was like two weeks before something ridiculous. But the thing is, a lot of the buildings have been around for almost 100 years wow. or, or more. So like Wisconsin State Fair Park was upgraded in the 1970s and 80s. So everything's pretty new. But in Minnesota, you get things like Ye Old Mill. That ride uh, is still at the state fairgrounds and it was built in 1915. So it's a series of stark tunnels that float you through in a small boat and children's music plays in the background while they see fairy tale. So it's probably like a small world or something. Totally. Where it's just it totally sounds exactly creepy. like that. Yeah. But when people ride Heald Mill, oh boy. right around the area, um, there was a maintenance worker who worked on that ride for a long time. He passed away in 1986. His name was Main- Wayne Murray. Uh, soon after his death, something strange began to happen at the fairgrounds. A small brown bird flew into the fairgrounds and disappeared in the old ride. And those people who've seen the bird go, they think it's the the ghost of Wayne Murray, like this guy that used to work on the old mill. They feel like the ghost of Wayne Murray lives in this small brown bird that goes into the ride and doesn't come out the other side. Wow. So flies in, nobody else sees him. And that's a weird thing. Like a Um, bird ghost. Yeah. Well, and actually the, uh, the official archiver of the Great State Fair... Carrie Huber, archiver, archivist. Her office is in the administration building near what used to be the apartment of longtime Minnesota State Fair general manager Douglas Baldwin. He died in 1962. She says that Douglas Baldwin still comes back to keep the Minnesota State Fair employees on their toes. Ah. Uh, She says, you know, people have heard him and, and seen him and stuff wandering around the administration building. Also, they've heard music in the cattle barn when there's nobody around. Uh, in fact, one guy working at the Coliseum said he, he heard music, walked in, and he saw three people dancing. One in overalls, I guess, because that makes it sound like a farmer. Um, <laughs> the song playing was Elvira by the Oak Ridge Boys. 
Awesome. Elvira, uh, such a ridiculous song. I know it has nothing to do with Elvira, the mistress of the dark. But uh, it just makes me laugh when I think about that song because Elvira was popular when that song was popular. Right. But it's the State Fair Grandstand where people have seen the most of the ghosts at the Minnesota State Fair Park. In fact, eight thrill show performers and race car drivers have been killed during the State Fair. Actually Whoa. killed in front of people. That's terrible. Yeah. Dangerous. Um, Kitty Middleton, a famous wing walker. So if we don't have wing walkers too much anymore, but those are people who would stand on the wings of a plane as they were flying. Yeah, now that's dangerous. Yeah, that is. <laughs> Kitty Middleton died in 1951. Her and her mm-hmm. pilot, they, they crashed right north of the grandstand. People have spotted a man standing on the roof of the grandstand. And they, spect- you know, they, they speculate that's one of the, the ghosts, the daredevils who made an untimely end. And then people also see a young blonde man at night. And when they see him, they see him walking around before he mysteriously vanishes into thin air. He's often near a small building behind the grandstand stage that the employees refer to as the bunker. Okay, I know exactly where that is because I walked right behind it right when, uh, I think, went to the Minnesota State Fair, Macklemore was playing. Oh, yeah. And like I walked right by the bunker and then Macklemore like you. came out. Yeah, you can hear him. So we were walking by the bunker. I didn't see yeah. a young blonde man. Well, I probably saw about a thousand young blonde right. men. Right. We weren't really on the lookout for that particular <laughs> None of them disappeared. <laughs> but the fact is, the Minnesota State Fairgrounds, even the archivist says that people see ghosts there. So that's, a, uh, that's some weird things. I think also in, in the newest kind of weird state fair activity, People spread this viral video around last year, right around right after the State Fair time, like in September. Um, they shared this video of what they said were UFOs being seen at the Oklahoma State Fair. And so somebody put it, put it on YouTube and said, like, weird UFOs at the Oklahoma State Fair went viral, got shared on Facebook 300,000 times, millions of views on YouTube. And you find out that the video is actually from the Utah State Fair. And it's skydivers holding flares. Oh, boo. So that was the latest in Weird State Fair was those skydivers holding flares. Mm. At the 2017 Oklahoma State Fair, if somebody puts that in your Facebook feed, you can tell them that's fake news, buddy. <laughs> anyway, thank you for joining us for our exploration of the state fair and the weird state fairs from, from strange food to sideshows. We hope you guys will come and check out your state. And if you're near Wisconsin, you should check out us playing on Saturday. Yeah, come down. It was a great party last weekend. It was it warm, was. but it was fun. So fun. Yep, and we're getting ready to party even bigger this Saturday. And to get ready for that, this week, the song is inspired by all the weird foods at the state fair. <laughs> And this is a list. So every food we mention in this particular song can actually be eaten at the Wisconsin State Fair Park. Mm. And it's called Life on a Stick. It's all American, like apple pie, waving to the fire trucks on the 4th of July. Time keeps moving on, you don't let it pass you by. You take a big bite out of it You keep on walking, that's the trick And know that life can be beautiful On a stick Well, they got anti 
bacon, tater tots, BBQ, pork chop, beer, batter, cheddar, sausage, corn eggs, and cake pops, candy apples, comma, apples, cheese balls, and chicken kebab, coconut, shrimp, and boneless chicken wings, bacon wrapped pork that's big inside a pig. And they got Cobra cheese and cookie dough, a spiral cup, potato, dill, pickles, crab cakes, fish and chips, donut holes, super dog, just a dog, Tijuana, bacon dog, pizza in a waffle, meatballs and milky ways, a sneakers and a twinkle, you'll be on the job for days. It's all American, like apple pie, waving to the fire trucks on the 4th of July. Well, time keeps moving on, you don't let it pass you by. Take a big bite out of it You keep on walking, that's the trick And know that life can be beautiful On a stick And they got shrimp tempura, battered shark, cotton candy, ice cream bars, all of southern root beer pop, steak and egg, pretzel fried, small sliders, deep fried boots, scotching, dead fridge, onion soup, Wisconsin grilled cheese, on a Swiss all right, to duck it on a stick to make you think you're gonna die. And they got fried elves, fat elves, salad and chiborgan brats, cream cheese and spaghetti, bacon wrapped chestnuts, sour honey, cherry pie, mac and cheese and lug nuts, chocolate covered bananas, peanut butter jelly, flaming hot cobs of rumbling in your belly. It's all American. Like apple pie Waving to the fire trucks On the 4th of July Well, time keeps moving on You don't let it pass you by You take a big bite out of it You keep on walking, that's the trick And know that life can be beautiful On a stick Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. Oh, man, I got to start thinking about what weird foods we can bring to the next Patreon hangout, Mike. That's right. I'm, you know, we, we always wear paranormal t-shirts, but if we can eat paranormal foods, I'm going to eat fried oh. hoedag. Oh, <laughs> all right. Fried hoedag on a stick. Well, maybe that'll be our challenge once yeah, we get we'll that. that uh, yeah. But before that can happen, we must say thank you to our awesome Patreon community members. And uh, we now have a special Facebook group for all of you. So please make sure that you're in there. If you should have received an invite or if not, just uh, let us know and we'll get you in there. But -hmm. thank you so much. And a big special shout out to our Dr. Ned. (laughs) That's right. Dr. Ned is contributing at a level where he gets his own shout out every week, which is why you hear us shouting out to him. And we'd like to shout out to you like that. Uh, so just please check out our Patreon community. That's othersidepodcast.com slash donate. Uh, you can join the Facebook group. Uh, you get on the Hangouts where we talk about weird stuff every month. You know, last month we had a discussion about the movie Veronica. And we went into some of the uh, real life stories that were inspired by the movie. And so if you enjoy the weirdness we talk about on the See You on the Other Side podcast, we go even further down the rabbit hole. Uh, with you guys on the Hangouts and inside the Facebook group. And we'd like to see you there. Wendy, I can't remember where we go. Oh, you got to go to othersidepodcast.com slash donate. Thanks for listening, everybody.
I can lick salt off the top of your head.